ran into a friend over the weekend just before she went on a hinge date. Okay. And hinge. Yeah. She like showed me her profile. Solid profile. Dating profiles are really hard. Um and then she started like I she it came up that, you know, she was like, you should make one. And I hate dating profile. I don't know how to create a good dating profile. You got to do the pictures and then the writing. This is like, I, don't, I am so pleased that I I don't have to do that. Oh, yeah. I did Total it once. Headache. I did it. I did it twice and both times hated it. Hated it. Yeah, there's a bunch of like you. So the photos were first. So I'm actually like working with her on, and like I don't know if I'm gonna create the profile, but it's like you know this is a fun little exercise. Uh, you got to get all these pictures together. You have to be like smiling in some. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I mean, I gotta see your teeth. <laughs> Let me see them teeth. Ooh. Hold up. Um, you have to smile. Like you have to have like cheese cheesy grin smiles for dating profiles. I mean, I would because I'm a teeth person so like you want to look open right you want to look friendly but i also just need to see your teeth like that might be uh this is why online dating didn't work for me oh because you didn't smile you smile oh shannon's incredibly deadpan yeah um yeah i mean that's a challenge for me too (laughs) i think i don't think i smile much in photos that's a toughie then there's like you can't have too many women in a picture you can't yes that is correct i didn't know any of this shit yeah, um, because otherwise it seems like, like, why is there this picture of you with, like, your ex? And then you can't have the picture that was, like, really good of you where you cut somebody out because it's like, damn, that seems kind of cold-blooded. So you have to have, like, you have to be able to show that you have friends and are not a sociopath, but not, but you don't want too many of those because you also don't want the comparison of, like, dang, I wish his friend was interested because he's hot. Like, it's a whole thing. That's, see, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. Um Final thing, it's you, you got to have like at least one picture of you like full body so people know like what you look like proportionally. Um, oh God. I have a cute dog, so of course I have to include Olive in at least one picture. Um, and we got through that. And then it gets to this portion with like writing prompts. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of you have done Hinge, have you? No. Flo, have you? I have not. Okay. So here's only eHarmony. Was I thought the, the photos would be the hardest part, but then I got to the writing prompts and like it's they're so vague and like they're a lot vague? of them. Yeah, and like open you up to like really serious like you know I'll fall for you if you know, and then you have to write the if right or like um, mm. let's debate about blank, which like if you're a dude, never pick that one. Like that's just probably not a good idea. Um, but here are the three. It took me a it took me a long time. Here are the three prompts I found, and then like I was like, all right, let's workshop these and, and center my answers. Okay, tell tell me what you two think. Okay. A random fact I love is so that's the prompt, right? Okay. A group of beagles is called a borgle. That's your answer. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, that's not real, is it? It's not true, but okay. I'm. Okay, gotcha. I, You're so telling I want to your establish with them that I'm yes. a liar. A, oh. hilar- a hilarious liar. Okay, okay. Hila- yeah, we can go with that too, yeah. 
But I don't know that you're a liar is like, I think that's more funny than it is on. I mean, it's, it's definitely untrue, but I think it's funny untrue versus I will deceive you on this date and you won't know who you're dealing with. Flo's playing the straight person again, which I love this episode. You're like following it logically. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I can go with that. Okay. 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 Um, no disclaimers to that. You're just putting it out there. So like, is this going to be used as screening criteria? Somebody is like, I'm into it. I had no idea about the Borgle. Are you going to like say, ha ha, I was just kidding. Or is that going to be like, oh, you're stupid. I'm not going to like date you. Good point. Yeah. I was thinking either responding, ha ha, moron, that's not true. Or, um, or, you know, nicely saying that. So, so But not sticking with the lie. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to be very mature about this. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Very much. Very mature. Okay. Um, so that's a thumbs up on this one? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Shannon? Yeah. Okay. Number two, give me travel tips for. All right, that's the prompt. Mm-hmm. Give me travel tips for the long, inexorable march toward death. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's it's giving now you're starting to give a, a in addition Come to the board. That's funny though. Yeah, I mean you're gonna get ve- you know what? It works because you're gonna get very specific people to respond, I think. Yes. Which is yeah. which is what you a, want. A type of humor, okay. My only concern would be is the person getting an accurate picture of who you are. I think that's pretty accurate. Based on these answers. Also, it's dating And is this profile. the first impression that you want to make? That's my only question. And that's not a that's not a judgment. I just What? Well, yeah. I'm not trying to really date date anyway. Okay. Yeah. But like if if a girl's not cool with a joke like that then whatever. Okay. Right? Shannon yeah, I mean... I feel like you'd be for this one. I, th- I thought I'd have a defender in this one. Yeah, but I, I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something I would say. Yeah, but we You're... are on a long, inexorable march toward death. I mean, you... I, I need some I travel agree. tips. You, you, you have a little nihilism in you, so I can... I mean, I don't think that yeah. you... The only thing I would say is I don't think that that's the most, like... Like a prominent definer. part of your personality. And so that's what okay. I meant by like, yes, you have a little bit of this in you, but I always think of these questions as being like a snapshot into your personality. And so you want to as accurately as is possible with a snapshot capture like the things that are, I don't want to say dominant in your personality, but like how you show up so that somebody shows up on the first date because they're like, Ooh, that person seems interesting. And not because they're interested in one, like, thing that you're 5% interested in, and that's, like, 95% of their personality. I don't know. Like, I think, given all the other stuff, and the smiling pictures and the cute dog and everything, like, sure. I think this is, I think this is fine. I, we'll see. We'll see what, if the profile ever gets finished. Final one. Final prompt. Okay. Two truths and a lie. Okay. And actually, you two can try and figure out this one. Ooh. Number one. 
The Sacramento Kings once considered suing me for a story I wrote about the Golden One Center. Number two, I have double-jointed elbows. Number three, I'm working on a solo music music project called Nickel Bjork. Um, you are not working on a solo music project called Nickel Bjork. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not the that's not true. You guys don't know. I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure that you're not doing a solo music project. Okay. So that's that's the final answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Um but you two know me very well. It's yes. the it's I also remember when the Kings thought about suing you, so have you seen this? I, I have not, and now I can't unsee it. So thanks for that. Really yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Um, oh my gosh, it's so intense. It's <laughs> like <laughs> it's like I don't want to look at my screen right now because between the cat that is crawling on Shannon and then Kempa doing weird things with his body, it's just like gouge my eyes out now. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to show a potential partner at the bar my elbow trick. Oh God, it's so intense. <laughs> it's no, I don't think I've ever seen anybody, maybe once in my life, who had elbows as crazy as mine. Like they're just, I don't terrible. understand how they like they're are just still, objectively terrible. How they still work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Me neither. Yeah. I've, you've never done that in my presence before, and I, <laughs> no, I, I never do that. P, I know people for years and like never do it. Um, but folks. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you want to see my wonderful elbows. Um, but yeah, that's if that's you it so see far. My elbows. <laughs> I think it's. I think I'm on a good. I'm. A, I think I'm. A, I'm on the right track. I think you're on the right track for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if Agreed. and when I actually do create this thing, um, I'll report back and, and we'll, it's created. We'll like you've done no. all the things. What's what, what else is there? There's a couple other things. There's like an audio thing you got to do. Oh, oh you right. just yeah. Just give him your podcast voice. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't know about that. Um well thank you for your help, both of you. Um Yeah, we're super helpful. <laughs> I'm feeling Always. Yeah, I'm feeling like I We're the best. Yeah. Getting out there into the world. Um all right. You wanna start the show? Let's do it. Oh yeah, sure. Voices. The things they said. Voices. Some from those days. Hello, everyone. You have Kempa. And Shannon. And Flo. Woo-hoo. Uh, no Skylar today. Uh, we have a jam-packed show today. I'm really excited about it. Um, first things first, we love what we do. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron for at l- as little as $5 a month. Uh, we do have patron-only content. Uh, Flo and Skylar just dropped an incredible episode of the Voices Cinematic Universe, BCU. wherein they do a review of Cocaine Bear, uh, the cinematic phenomenon. Um, <laughs> so if you're into that and you want to hear what their takes are, and they are good takes, um, except for the first couple minutes, <laughs> um, hop in there. It is a phenomenal episode. Um, and then, yeah. Beyond that, um, 
I want to let folks know about uh, March 10th here in Sacramento. Uh, there is the California uh, Republican State Convention. Alongside that, there is scheduled to be a, a huge anti-trans rally. Um, and folks in the community in Sacramento are banding together to rally against that, uh, to let the anti-trans folks know they're not welcome here. So uh, go and follow Pride What pride was a riot sacramento on uh basically any social medium and um you they will have more updates on kind of how we can fight back um but this is really important and um and, and it's just it's a really big deal yeah um beyond that let's let's get started we ready yeah. let's do, let's do it. it okay number one top story let's let's start in a little corner of california called San Francisco, but also start in a little corner of America called New York, which houses the New York Times. Mm -hmm. There was a guest essay by billionaire Michael Moritz, who's a partner at Sequoia Capital, um, who known for all sorts of things you know he he gave a bunch of money to that um that that uh, the Ponzi scheme. Uh, cryptocurrency money lost a bunch of money there um, Oops. he he puts he throws hundreds of thousands of dollars into uh, helping moderate uh, politicians in San Francisco he decided to write a piece in the New York Times a guest essay called even Democrats like me are fed up with San Francisco uh, who wants to who wants to give a little intro on this thing what's it about well Essentially, he <laughs> he kind well, of well yeah I was like well where do we begin um it, so what's interesting about this read I, I don't know if I should like editorialize while I describe it is it but I I think maybe it would be helpful for people is I don't closely follow San Francisco politics so I read his piece first and I was like this sounds like very one-sided in a way that doesn't feel like it rings true, but there were things in there that I didn't know were the the problem. It was just sort of like, oh, the, like when he said like the newspaper is part of the reason why the government is corrupt. I was like, hmm, that seems like an odd line to to throw, but like, okay, maybe, you know, the lack of like oversight is contributing to them kind of running, kind of running three with running free without people being aware of what's going on. So I like there were a couple of places where I was like, "Huh, that seems like an interesting conclusion to draw." I, I don't quite understand it. Um, I also didn't know really much about him to be able to be like, "Oh, you're presenting this perspective." But it just my spidey senses were up when I first read it. Like, what's the angle here? And I think because we had been having offline a conversation about the San Francisco, San Francisco book um, and the whole take on it being like Democrats are the reason why or, or actually really what they're trying to say is progressives, even though they don't actually mean progressives. They just mean like neolib capitalists, but <laughs> are the reason are are unsuccessful in some of these like large cities. So why do we bother listening to you? Like all your ideas are silly and look how bad things are. And so I went into it with kind of that built-in bias. Um, but his argument basically is that the mayor has no power 
the supervisors um, run everything. Yeah, he he talks about a this like political class. Let me just give a little yeah. paragraph here. He Please. says, like it or not, San Francisco has become a prize example of how we Democrats have become our worst en enemy. Causes that we have long espoused, respect for human rights, plenty of housing that's within reach for most people, care for the mentally ill, fair pay, high quality public education, a dignified retirement, have all been crippled by a small coterie who knows how to bend government to its will. This astonishing city that I have been lucky enough to call home for more than 40 years has become subject to the tyranny of the m minority. So he's sort of talking about this nebulous minority right. that is stopping any progress. And that was what I thought was most interesting about this piece, because I was like, I think so, too. But since he never quite got around to naming this minority, and since I didn't know some of the things that he said and they were just patently false, like people from the Transportation Commission were like rising through the ranks. And like that hasn't happened since 1977, which is before right. all of us were born. I was just like, hmm. I, I was like, OK, maybe there is a little bit of because I, I know how the statewide Democratic Party works and the National Democratic Party works. So some of it, I think what was dangerous about this article is that, that if you're not in San Francisco, to really be able to put your finger on like, that's not true and that's not true. And who are you talking about? And also, who are you? Because I don't really have a good sense of like, you're a person who's contributed $11 million to some of these races. And you're like, but when he yeah. got to the point where he was arguing against ranked choice voting, that's where I was like. And he made ranked choice voting sound like this like nefarious illegal thing. He, yes. he sounded like a QAnon Republican yes, talking about voter fraud in Arizona. Yes. The way like, he explained it was just like, yes. you made, you definitely made this sound like I'm reading like a, like I'm reading fiction and like it's like I'm deep in the dark web. Yeah. Over and like, and like these, like in these, these nefarious players in politics are able to game the system after the first round of voting when it's like no all the votes are already fucking cast right like he doesn't like it because billionaires like him can't game the system the way they have historically well he my one of my favorite parts of this is when he says um san francisco like a growing number of blue cities suffers a dearth of minority middle-class voters who could offer steadying influences and then goes on to later say just a couple sentences down um, that in 2020 frustrated by the condition of the city I helped start and finance together SF which is now an active organizer of community events and has started to play a role in election contests through its sister organization together SF action this just incredible is it's so good <laughs> yeah well he, he so there there's this part and like god let, let, let's just like try and lay out a couple of the contradictions in this first of all i wish a certain co-host were here because he would really drop the the bomb on the same old bullshit coming from a neoliberal saying I am finally fed up with homelessness. It's uh -huh. time we do something. And it's like, yeah, you fucking idiot. It is time we do something. And they have no answers. They have 
a very, very like light understanding of this situation. Uh, and it's always funny, funny in pieces like this. And, and Barry Weiss did another piece like this on San Francisco where it's like they just start scratching at the surface of like capitalism is the problem. The fact that there are the very rich and the people who have nothing, that's the problem. Um, but they never quite get there and they, they try and twist it to just blame progressives, you know. Um, but for one, he claims, you know, the mayor has no control in San Francisco. San Francisco is a strong mayor city. Right. Like London Breed, the mayor, can just choose to not fund whatever thing the supervisors vote on. And then that thing doesn't happen. Not only that, he led recall campaigns for three school board members in San Francisco and for the district attorney successful campaigns and after they were all recalled then the mayor got to appoint these people right the the new folks in in into office right so it's like this is a city where the mayor has way more power than you would think but he's trying to claim that like oh no like we can't do anything on the on the in the middle here or on the 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 democratic right um and then flow you know you you mentioned like they're like oh the chronicle is losing all this staff and it's like no, it's actually not. It's right. actually like they're hiring. Not, they're not at their smallest. They are actually in the process of hiring. And like he also runs their competitor paper, which yes. maybe you might want to disclose in, in this New York Times piece. <laughs> I was just like, and, and this is what I mean by like, if you read something without the context of who's writing it, then you don't really get a sense of like, A, what perspective they've taken but also like where their <coughs> potential biases may be, especially if they don't disclose them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got this, this multi-billionaire griping in a newspaper across the country, 3,000 miles away about San Francisco um, in a way that like, you know, your far right Tucker Carlson's will be like, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and it, to me, it just like, it's the same old thing and it's the same it's the same thing we get from folks in East Sac and Land Park oh, totally. and like yeah. you know the anti-homeless folks where it's like we bought a put us end to this and it's like I mean yeah we agree but like we actually have answers and there are no answers in this piece no it's just it's a bunch of complaining and contradictions and then some funny lines like even superman equipped with a lightsaber would not be able to govern san francisco yes yes <laughs> this guy he's pretty good uh garbage fucking garbage man how does how do you you have to have what this proves is that if you just have a shit ton of fucking money then you get an audience that the times is like sure here you go you can have this whole this whole thing what is, this is like this is like this is more than 500 words it's pretty on, long of of just like <sighs> bullshit well the funny thing is he gets this piece which like who knows if he wrote any of it because as soon as he gets it published all of these media outlets throughout San Francisco, journalists start getting these pushes from a PR firm called Rift City Strategies, yeah. whose president 
is an advisor for the current district attorney, Brooke Jenkins. Again, this district attorney is conservative and was appointed by San Francisco Mayor London Breed. All of this flies in the face again of him claiming that the mayor has no power in San Francisco. So this firm is basically um, that works for the current conservative DA. This PR firm is also trying to forward his message, um, which makes you think that effectively this is just a political ploy to to yep. get more conservatives elected. I mean, it's it's just that. And I think it's really sad and embarrassing that The New York Times, A, couldn't fact check it. Um, and then that, like, you know, this PR firm gets to peddle this shit the way that they're doing right now to every outlet in San Francisco. Yeah, well, thankfully, um, there's folks who are not letting it fly and the takedowns um, are pretty special. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, folks, and, and we will um, include it in the show notes, but please do keep an eye out for the piece by Joe Eskenazi in Mission Local, a uh, hyper-local yeah. outlet uh, in San Francisco great. Uh, titled Michael Moritz's Strange and Terrible Diagnosis of San Francisco. Also give a read to the SFist piece. Uh, who wrote that one? Joe Kukura, um, titled Biz Billionaire SF Standard Financier Gets Guff for SF Bashing and SF Chronicle Bashing in New York Times op-ed. Um, both of those fantastic pieces. Yeah, they're really uh, good. Anything else we want to say on this before we move on? You know, we we stay ready to watch bazillionaires uh, make asses of themselves. It's wonderful. It's so like, it's so, we're so not surprised anymore. I remember reading it and being like, oh, okay. Like it, it feels like an AI. Yeah. It's like if an AI of John Frias Morales here in Sacramento Heard. was like to write a, an op-ed about homelessness. It's like, okay, yeah, you said nothing. You said enough is enough. And like, talk about crime. Like, okay, yep. bye. But, and also like, fuck, because there was a time not that long ago when reading something like this would just be like, surprising isn't the right word, but it would be, um, remarkable whereas now it's just like a, a fucking course dude like yeah i think there's something interesting happening too where it's like i don't know where i've seen this but it's it's true it's like people are fed up with homelessness obviously um and they will kind of it appears that in a lot of instances they will vote for anything that is sold effectively to them as change so yeah. if you are a conservative in office, if you're a progressive in office, you're still potentially under fire for the for 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 this problem in California. In the same way that conservative Democrat um, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, the the mayor out there, she you know had she 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 had a lot of power she was like running the show she was supporting the police out there but because of a perceived perceived uh or real i don't know I, I don't know the numbers in in chicago wave of crime um she did not even make the top two in the primary this week um so now there is both a 
sort of a leftist progressive and he's really exciting. Uh, he's kind of the one who knocked her out. He beat her by three points and then a more conservative Democrat who got like 33 points. Now they are the top two running for office there. It's like people like just get people get like mad and frustrated and they just want change, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Speaking I... of wanting change. <laughs> Good say. Here in Sacramento. Boy. I remember a political campaign mm. last year for District 5 City Council member. And we had a candidate who said, it's time to demilitarize the police. It's time for change. Uh, we don't need to be harming our communities the way we have been. I am, of course, I'm talking about Katie Maple, um, who took no cop money, ran on a de demilitarization platform. And then as soon as she got into office, voted for a massive tank called a Rook, a piece of military equipment for the Sacramento Police Department. It pissed off a lot of people. And in response, we, we had an episode on this, so we won't dive too far into that. Mm -hmm. we, we just want to briefly touch on her, uh, her town hall meeting, which was effectively a Zoom meeting uh, with moderation and a limit to the number of people who could speak. Um, Shannon, I, I guess all three of us were on that call. Flo, you might have had to leave early because you had you had your stand-up show. Yeah, I was on basically until the end. The only time I didn't hear was like the part where I was transitioning to the car. Okay. Um, well, Shannon, do you want to just like give us an overview on what this was and uh, kind of your takeaways? Yeah. Um, so this was billed as a town hall. Um and what it actually was, um, was a, it, it, it feels a lot like, it felt a lot like, um, like virtue signaling. It felt a lot like tokenizing. It felt a lot like this. Um, it, it was, it was a, a way to attempt to get out from under some of the criticism that the community has pushed toward um, the council member. So her base but, is basically saying, you promised to to demilitarize. We voted for you. We knocked on doors. We did all these things for you. We, we, we contributed to your campaign. And then you went, turned around and did this. The The town hall, quote unquote, was right. all about like, let's talk about yourself. it. Let's yeah. Can you apologize? What's going on? And this was so after the vote, there was the obvious there was, you know, the community uproar, the the frustration and the anger and the hurt all very valid. And so then um, the council member had issued this statement, which was a bunch of garbage. Um, but it land it ended with but we're going to have this town hall and you'll have an opportunity there to um to address more concern like these concerns will be addressed don't worry we're getting some shit together for this town hall so this was held via zoom one of the reasons why we don't get to call it a town hall mm -hmm. um there was also uh there were three minute time limits there were topics it was all very agendized um it was all like it very very ordered um you said three questions three questions and you had from, three minutes 
from from her office, only seven community members could respond to any mm-hmm. given question. Yep. And you were not. It wasn't a. It was a situation where, like, if you had your hand raised and you hadn't spoken before, then you had the opportunity to respond, and you, you know, and you get your three minutes. So there wasn't. Again, this is this is not a town hall because the questions were 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 already written. They were offered by the office that is being criticized and being questioned uh-huh. for its decision. Um, yep. And there was a moderator or a facilitator, excuse me, who was there, um, Adele James of Adele James Consulting um, out of Sacramento. Uh-huh. Um, and she likes to eat chips without muting the microphone. <laughs> Um, but did, you know, a fine job, I guess, like in terms of like, we didn't actually get to see much from the community in terms of like real accountability because it was all so, um, prescripted, right? Like it was just, it was all, it was planned to the end, um, at the very end that, oh, uh, during this meeting, during this town hall, excuse me. The D5 staff apparently was taking notes on the responses to the questions. <clears throat> and then there was a break that was offered wherein the count, the uh, D5 staff, w- you know, took some time to read over the questions or I'm sorry, the responses. And um, what we were told was that the council member would then offer her response. Mm-hmm. And the response was all of three sentences before saying you know you can um we we really have to she said i understand how pe- i understand that people feel betrayed um and people feel like i'm young and new and i am trying to figure that out and i do need to do more outreach she, she more said c- she was young and new and so that's part of the reason part of the issue yes um she does need to work on more outreach and connection to the community moving forward. Listen, for somebody who knocked on doors, like hell of doors in the district, you did your outreach and your connection to the community. That's not what the fuck the problem is here. You just don't listen. You don't give a shit. Um, and then immediately after that, just a few sentences saying the same shit that she said from the fucking beginning. She said, and now let's talk about how we move forward together. There's an armored use policy and we really want people to like bring their input and help um, so that and, and help us operate from a point of shared knowledge. It's so disappointing. Like all of this, it's it, it's it just, gross. It shuts your brain down listening to this. It's like she had a fucking PR firm designed to just like turn you off the yeah. second it gets to this part of the, and the, you could, the, the portion. Here's the thing. You could, like, watching her, you could tell that she went into it and was already turned... She was turned off, right? Like, she was managing her emotions in the best way that she, I guess, knew how, which was to completely disassociate from the situation and lean entirely on a statement that had been written weeks before because that's all she did. It was a... It was just an echo of that statement over and over again. She never offered a real response to any of the very real um, criticism and questions that the community did bring forward because people did find ways to bring things up. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there was no actual opportunity for the community to make any sort of impact. Um, this was a complete sham. It was it's completely disrespectful that the D5 office even like put this together in such a way like to in such a way to try to save their asses. Um, it just it actually just shows the community what the fuck they really think and echoes what one of the callers said, which is that as soon paraphrasing, but like you got this power and we don't know you anymore. Yeah. It it's it sucks. I mean D five was in a real way in terms of like the two candidates that they had. I don't think either w- was going to be great, but I I don't know. Maple has really um supremely disappointed. disappointed. Yeah, in a in a real big way. I'm like I really want to believe there was, you know, Evan who was on the call. Evan Michael Minton, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Who is who really like I really love you know, he's he's also got like the sweet summer child like and and a sort of like um, transformative justice approach to this, which is like, I know you and I want to see you um, learn from this. And I really want to see, you know, what the future might bring and give you an opportunity for like learning and growing and all of that. And I wish I had that lens. But after last night and after mm-hmm. like there was no vulnerability from her at all there was no accountability it Mm. was Mm -mm. the coldest most just disappointing completely disrespectful like really showed the community how little she values community input it yeah it's it's really fucking gross you know evan came on and said hey i consider myself a friend of katie's and like none of us understand what we're seeing here right yeah um rose cabral probably the only leftist real estate person you'll you'll find in this town who's knocked on doors for rent control all these things and knocked on doors for katie came on with similar questions like you need to look us in the eye and like really really say why really say why and like in in my opinion and and like i'm just echoing i think you shannon and everyone who's on the call it's just like i i think there needs to be an apology um i don't know if a politician is capable of that uh or if that's good politics i don't know what their you know staff is saying to them but like that's what people need and Mm -hmm. like they need a promise for how you'll do better um and then, you know, Zoe went on the call with a three-minute comment. Um, she basically started Sac Soup, which was like a homeless outreach nonprofit during the pandemic alongside Katie. Um, she knows her well, probably better than any of us. And on that, on during her comment, she's like, I don't recognize you, you know, and she said, you've stopped, you cut contact with everyone ever since the day of that vote. Um, And like, that's, that's to me is the problem. It's like, you, you can't, like, I get it. It's scary. You're in a leadership position. 
uh, you know, you are kind of not much is out of people can kind of come at you for these things. Right. Uh, and hold you accountable. And it's, mm -hmm. it's daunting. Yeah. Um, but you have to be able to stand up and actually face it. You got to be able to answer the phone when your friends call and say, and say why you did it or apologize. Right. Yeah. Instead of coming up with it, what it felt like to me was she did add an additional excuse for her decision, which was um, that she and I, I had not heard this before, at least if I don't think that I had. I had not heard it before last night. She said that she had asked city staff for more information reporting on the Rook prior to the vote. And the information that she got was so compelling because she said that it had the Rook had um, frequently or most recently been used in case in domestic violence calls. And she was like, that's something that is really close to me. And 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 here's here's the thing about that, like domestic violence, like when you say that's something that is really close to me, like all of us, what you're doing is you have completely put a wall up because now you're like, don't fuck with my trauma, people. And. But it is possible to be a person who has experienced a traumatic event that a that like a rook could have, quote, helped and still be like, I understand why I'm not why I shouldn't make that vote. Right. Like because I ran on a demilitarize the police platform <laughs> like you can't you can't say you can't throw out that like domestic violence is a thing that's like really close to you and important to you and all of that. But then also like give the people who are harmful <laughs> a tank tanks. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't like it, like the entire night, all I kept thinking was none of this makes any fucking sense. And you're just digging yourself in deeper, dude. Like, well, Flo, you've been incredibly silent during this segment, and I don't understand why. <laughs> You're going to make me say it out loud. Um, this is really hard for me. Um, and I think part of the reason why it's hard for me is everything that you all have said. Um, I really vacillate sometimes very quickly between the righteous indignation that a lot of people expressed and just the anger and it being unbridled anger and the, you know, sweet summer child kind of, you know, experience that Evan Mitten had. I am not, you know, friends with Katie Maple. Um, we have, you know, had several conversations, um, but I am a person who often wants to see, you know, the best in people um, and finds myself really frustrated when people do things that feel disingenuous um, and then act in ways that are really harmful and cowardly and all of those things. And I think that that is what Katie has done here. Um, I have also been really wrestling with 
the space that my voice should continue to occupy in this because I feel very uncomfortable with the dynamic that has been presented of sort of Katie Maple as this kind of like waifish, young, naive white woman and the people who are upset with her as being like kind of the big bad brutes. And in my case, the big black brute. Um, and so ah, there's just, I, in Adele's words, have a lot of feelings about this because I want to scream and shout, how the fuck does Katie Maple get to be the victim in this when the fucking tank drove down my street? How does she become the victim? She carpet bagged and show up, showed up in a community she is not from and does not live in. And the first thing she decided to do was run for office there. And people got behind her because she said she had good ideas. And her very first vote of consequence was to betray all of that and to double down. And somehow she's the victim because she's young. I, I'm going to stop myself there because... I like it's infuriating. Like if you're too young to be on the city council, then don't fucking run. And also you don't get to like that is not a valid excuse for this because you were not new and young when you were when you ran on a demilitarize the police platform, you understood what the fuck that meant because you, you wouldn't take their money and you knocked right. on doors and you explained that shit to everybody. So you're not young and new. You are not brand new to this world and you're not brand new to any of the movements. Like what happened was you got in that seat and you got all the fucking power that you wanted and you, you know, that whole, the thing that we all, the thing that we all kept pushing her on was like what's up with this shit with you and Ashby like why do you stand Ashby so hard well now we know because it's impossible not to draw that direct line at this point it's impossible not to I mean how, um, yeah how there is there is no way around it it you know as it works in City Hall and I think a lot of people know this during these meetings especially during you know somewhat contentious votes Every city council member is looking at their phone and there's probably five to 10 group chats going on or single one-on-one -on -one text message chats um, with constituents, with other politicians, you know, whatever, with, with stakeholders, business people, really driving home to them why they think you should vote this way or that way. Um, you're telling me Katie didn't have a one-on-one -on -one text thread going with Angelique Ashby? reminding her that this is for domestic violence victims uh, or or the, the city manager or the chief. Um, speaking of which, the, the, it's hard for me to, A, I think, and, and maybe this is a good question for all of us, if Katie could go back and do this over again, would she vote differently? I don't think so. I, I honestly don't know. 
And that's, I think she would. And I think that's where I feel like I'm getting whiplash from bouncing back and forth between like the people who were just like wanting to get on there and wanting to yell and the Evan who's like, what is up with this and why aren't you better? Like, because I really don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that hopes the hindsight is 2020 and that she would show up and be like, if I knew everything I know now, I would do different. But I also have not heard her say those words. Um... I have heard her try to skirt around and because the the thing I think that's happening here is that these ideals were easy to hold on to when you felt like you were part of this outsider group and when people were lauding you for them, when they were creating distance between you and Tamiko mm-hmm. Heim. Now that your insider group is other politicians, you don't want to be on the outside. You don't want to be Katie Valenzuela. You don't want to get the heat that my van gets. You want to be well-liked. And I think, quite frankly, that is... she said as much before to most of us, She wants to be well-liked. And so she was saying the things to be well-liked when she needed to run for office and when she's out and she has all these progressive folks who are going to show up for her. And now that she's in, she wants to be well-liked. And let me tell you, Chief Kathy Lester is good, okay? Kathy will show up and make it seem like she understands. I mean, when she showed up to the heat table that Sacramento Act put together um, when she was deputy chief, um, I think that's the right title, she was like, you know, November 13th lives in my heart because that was the day that J.J. Clava was killed and I'll never forget and I just blah, 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 right? Like she knows how to turn it on. I actually Cops think do PR she, incredibly yeah, the reason and, why and they do it well because they're liars is because of is because she's good at that. And then yeah. add to that that she's an easy on the eyes white woman and it becomes really easy to make her your champion of diversity because she's different from the others and she gets it and she's probably a you know a parent and a this and a that like it's so easy for her to bring you in and to in group you in this way when you know full well how harmful this group of people has been how dis how how much you should not trust them given that you were doing homelessness work, direct service work, and you had conversations, I know you did, with police who said, we're not doing sweeps, and then you're looking at the evidence of sweeps. And they and you're fucking like, lied and did them. Am I, am I having cognitive dissonance here? Am I in a different world? Am I, am I de- mentally decompensating? Because I'm looking at the evidence of a sweep and you're telling me you haven't done sweeps in six months. So make it make sense. So right. why all of a sudden are they trustworthy on this issue? Why all that you've watched them from the sidelines co-opt language of movements to be able to say that they're trying to reimagine policing. That's not your tagline. That's plagiarized. That they are over here trying to, you know, to engage in prevention, that they're doing all these things that you know it's not true. So why on earth would you take closed door meetings with, with Chief Lester and believe her when she says to you, this is about domestic violence and not fact check it with anybody who's at least going to kick the tires on it? I mean, Katie, if you really feel like you are ready for office, the first thing you should have is a kitchen cabinet of people who sit around you and kick the tires on everything you do. And some of those are not necessarily paid consultants. They are your constituents. They are the people who are going to be the heart of your movement. And they are going to say to you, I hear what you're saying, but have you thought about? And And you, you, I mean, like, 
I'm not against community engagement, but this didn't need community engagement. You needed to pick up your phone. You needed to have a conversation with some of the people you already knew. And the reason you didn't is because you knew exactly what they were going to say to you. And you didn't want to have to hear that because you didn't want it to be in your conscience. Because you've yeah. already decided who your friends are. You've decided where your alliances lie now. And this was all opportunistic for you. And that is why I was frustrated when you were running because I was like, this sounds good, but there are some deep inconsistencies here that you could, you were never able to, it's like, I have a personal relationship. I don't care. I have a personal relationship with Rick Jennings. I have lived in his house and I will tell anybody who will say it that that man does not vote well and does not vote in our interest. And I do right. not care. I knew Tamiko Hyam before all of this. She took over the active transportation seat after me. I like Tamiko. She's cool and she is a black woman. And I still said, that's not the move because liking somebody knowing somebody wanting that person to have all their basic needs and good vacations and health and good benefits is not the same as thinking that they're good for a job is not the same as uh, adopting their political positions you have to have the maturity and soundness of mind to know the difference and if you don't you are unfit for office yeah. and what you've demonstrated to me is that you do not have <laughs> strong courage you do not have like consistent character because character is not just always doing the right thing. So let's say you messed up. Character is sitting down in your quiet spaces, having those conversations with people who knew and showed up for you when you were not council member Maple, when you were just Katie and saying to them, tell me what it is and really hearing and listening and crying and figuring it out and then showing up better and calling up Adele James and getting her to half-assed facilitate this meeting that then where you're not actually going to engage in real engagement is not okay. Doing a land acknowledgement when you know that the people who Such are going to be most <sighs> impacted by this decision are the very people who you could not have cared less about when you made the vote is disingenuous. If you're going to do a land acknowledgement, it should have started with the, the key to this town hall should have been, I'm sorry, y'all, I fucked up. What right. we gonna do? And if right. you weren't doing that, none of us should have even bothered to show up. But we showed up because we thought maybe I'm sorry y'all I fucked up was gonna come out of your mouth. And it didn't. So I, I really just, I honestly don't know where to go with it, but I'm really tired of the manipulation that comes along with all these folks who were in power now going, poor Katie, she's getting beat up on. And, you know, she wasn't the only one who voted and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's because the rest of you, we already knew where you were going to be on some of these things. Right. You we didn't run on demilitarization platforms. We right. were unsurprised. We're disappointed we in you. We still think all of you are ridiculous and kind of don't get it and probably yeah. need to read a book or 12 or 1200. But... At least we knew, we were unsurprised by, we were hopeful, right. at least I was, because I'm still a little sweet summer child. But I also was like, yeah, that makes sense. As soon as y'all started in on your, well, I have a question. Well, I have a question. Well, I have a question. I was like, I know why you're asking these questions. Correct. Because you're on yes. the same nonsense you're always on. Because you don't have imagination to be able to recognize that this could be different and you're the key to it. Because if any of you could actually step into your power and espouse the val the values that you speak on when it's politically convenient, this place would be different. But it's not because you don't, because you won't. Because you're being served by this, and so everybody else be damned. And you can talk to me about your values until you're blue in the face, but show me how you spend your time and how you spend your money and how you vote, and I will tell you exactly what you care about. Glad we got you to 
open up about this flow. I mean, anger um, is a valid I, emotion. I just also recognize, I recognize also that it will be weaponized and I will just be the black woman screaming at the poor little white girl who couldn't get it together when she's a grown ass woman and she is in a position of power. And that's the thing. So when Katie sits there and she does the quiet, meek, oh, I'm so sorry, and puts on that little face, it's like, and then we're all yelling at her. It's just like the optics of that play into everybody's like deep embedded biases. And I recognize that the only people who are going to hear me on this are the people who agree with me. And everybody else is just going to be like, see, they're so mean to her. They won't give her a chance, blah, 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 blah. And they're not, they're just not going to see it that way. So I think it's worth it to preach to the choir, but also the choir has been at five services today and they already know it. Right. The quiet, like, this is one of those times when it does feel like, and in, like in the chat yesterday, it was like, the, yes, the choir has been to five services and the tambourines are broken because this is like, <laughs> like, it's such a joke. Mm-hmm. And I do think yeah. I think it is really important. She shit the bed three times in a row now after Dude. this vote, um, and it's you had every every chance to redeem yourself, and and you just haven't. I also want i I think that it's important um, to say that the act that she has taken up, the role that she is gladly filling as the victimized white woman is really, really says a lot about her relationship to white supremacy and her ability to stand firmly um, in a position as an anti-racist leader in this community. She's failing in more than one way and she's failing really fucking hard really fast really early yeah and you know last time we discussed this um and you know i've been talking with friends ad nauseum on this issue um i do sweet summer child uh think that there is a path out of this for her but i think she has deeply deeply damaged her relationship with her base and her relationship with a major part of her constituency that she made promises to. And I don't think she gets many fuck-ups after this before she has completely lost her base and District 5 is not there for her. So I'm but her interested goal's not to District see... 5, so she'll be on to the next thing by the time she has to deal with that. Well, if she keeps going down this path, there is recourse. Yeah, right? but she'll be she'll be making friends at the level of you know where like that's that's the thing we were. Man, they already brought her in. Well, She's already nihilistic there. here. There's fucking recourse. We can take her. I'm out. not saying there Come isn't. Re- I'm not saying there isn't recourse. I'm just saying look at Angelique Gashby. Angelique lied and schemed. Angelique and is I'm D1 a lover though. Of, this is District Five. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, the bigger you get, the more of those folks that you like that are she's on the other side. Big. She's no, not I mean respected is, on the other side either. No, what I mean by that is like 
the 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 broader you go out geographically. So if she decides to run up for a higher office, the broader you go out geographically, the more moderate things get, the more you incorporate some of those other areas where you can then you can explain your flip-flop as I got in and I made different decisions. Like I, I'm just saying I have seen this show like she is not strong like Angelique. There is she's not. I, I hope she's not. fucking not. Did we all just saw her crumble, right? So that I mean, that's the first thing. B, like, she, we can make it so she doesn't even last her four years if she continues down this path. C, like, I, I swear to God, I had a C. Um, <laughs> C, I am right. See you later. No. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. Okay. I, I, don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. think, like, I don't know. It's it's just the, this. This is a timid politician that i've talked with people on the business side right i've talked with people the mods and they don't respect this either they're waiting for her to pick a lane too and she she's she's just waffling she's hiding like this is not a strong politician who makes it to the next level it just doesn't read to me like that unless she actually starts making stands in one way or the other too it can be stands against us but like she won't even make stands like that yeah, I don't know. I'm not the person to tell you how to win friends and influence people, so I, I don't know. I, 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 really? I just don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, I think I. I. I do think. I don't know if I'm where Flo's at, but I know that I'm definitely not where where Kemp is at. So, yeah, yeah. call me a centrist or whatever. <laughs> I, I I I mean I may just be a little bit pessimistic at watching. Like, I'm not saying that we're. I'm just saying like I think that the political machine, like the more that she kind of like moves towards the center and does apologist things for the things that she did. Like, I think she may not be penalized by that. She may not actually have to face the accountability for that in the way that we would want her to if she continues down this road. Like, she could do an about face and be a different politician now that she's in office and could parlay that to some other type of support and yeah, so I just I, I, I try to remind myself that there's a reason why even the people who still are not sure they politically agree with her are protecting her. And some of it is certainly the combination of, you know, of her, you know, racial and gender identities. Um, but I think some of it is also that they see an in and I don't, mm -hmm. and I don't feel confident that's that real. they're wrong. Right. I think that's real. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the way, the only reason I responded to you the way I did was cause I, I hate, I hate seeing you nihilistic. That's not your job on this show. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, I think there's recourse. I think there are answers and like whatever happens happens, but there's always a next step. That's where I am on it.
I mean, I'll I say mean, I what think I there's said a next step. When, the, when the race started, which is D5 deserves better. Heard yeah. as a former D5 resident. Sacramento, does, as a former D5 resident, D5 deserves better. And, you know, yeah, overall, only, Sacramento only, deserves better. If only one young woman hadn't moved to D6. I also think that I know we need to be done. Um, I actually want to cover this last topic. Uh, so apologies <laughs> okay. to the editor. Oh, I forgot about that. I uh, the thing I do want to say about Katie Maple is uh, um, I've seen a lot of talk about like it's not even her constituents that are criticizing her. And I think that it is important to remember that public office is public office and that city leadership is city leadership and that her that decisions that are made by individual council members, regardless of whether or not they represent your district should be things that we all care about. Like we should all care about the decisions that other council members are making. And because they affect us. Because because they do affect us and because she didn't buy this rook for D five. She bought the rook for the city of Sacramento police. That's who's Mm -hmm. going to use it. So anybody who lives in the city honestly, anybody who lives in the region, because just like they had the rook last year that they borrowed from the county who knows who Sacramento is going to decide that when they're not using it, they'll loan it out to. So Galt, right. you should care. So Islington, you should care. So West Sacramento, you should care. Because I don't know what the, we don't know how this thing is going to be used. Mm-hmm. But we do have precedent to show that they share their toys. Right. Yeah, I just, I, I think like the the whole story about like, or, you know. It's all people that aren't even in D5 that are showing up to say shit like. Oh, look, commu- I lived in D5 longer than she did. Heard. But to also, this day, that still we, remains true. I think the other <laughs> and thing And I represented D5 longer than she did. And to this day, that still remains true. So bite me, please, everyone. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, but I, I think also it's like. Remember, don't forget that like we can imagine a community where every where where people's voices are heard, where people get to flourish, where harm is not the default. And so we show up for each other. And like that is why you find people from D4, D7, D2, whatever, showing up to all these different things. All of these decisions impact us and community is community. Like we got to be there for each other. Um, but you know who's not going to be there for us is probably this guy that's running in D4. <laughs> that's a good, good, good transition. <laughs> Let's talk line. about this. So conveniently, actually, the day before it becomes apparent that the recall push against Sacramento's District 4 Council member Katie Valenzuela, a Democratic Socialist and friend of the show, uh, their recall effort is a failure. It will not go through. The day before that, the old white moderates of Sacramento decide to try and bury the lead by announcing their horse in the race for the 2024 campaign against Katie Valenzuela, council member Valenzuela, a man by the name of Phil Pluckybaum. What do we know about Phil? What's going on here? Okay. I'm actually excited that we're still talking about this because I know nothing about him except that 
he didn't tweet a lot, and then all of a sudden he tweeted yesterday. Yeah. So do tell. All I know about him is who is supporting him so far. So County Supervisor Phil Cerna, County Supervisor Patrick Kennedy, County Supervisor Rich Desmond, and former District 4 Council Member Steve Hansen. Um, He's also supported by former Council Member Jeff Harris of former District 3. Um, So a bunch of old white men who are moderates really want the indigenous woman out of office. And frankly, I am surprised. (laughs) And frankly, I cannot even believe it. (laughs) Yeah. I never would have guessed. I mean, Um, yeah, don't know anything about the guy, uh, but not surprised that they found someone. Um, And time will tell. You know what? I'm a terrible co-host because I didn't even read his whole vote for me thing. Yeah, so he is, uh, he works for UC Davis Health. Um, And I have um, worked with him with the um, the uh, planning commission. So he was on the city's planning commission. I believe it's the planning commission. Um, he was appointed by, I think, Jeff Harris. Um, and so when he was in that capacity, I gathered in 2020 all the, or as many of the chairs and vice chairs of the city's boards, committees, and commissions that we could get together to talk about some of just like the general structural issues that we were all having with the city and what we needed. And so Phil was a part of that group. Um, so that is mostly the extent of my, you know, knowing him, um, and having worked with him. Um, Yeah. And, and that's, that's yeah, and he was he was an active participant in that group, um, you know, fairly moderate from what I could understand. Um, also, <laughs> the planning com- also, the planning commission had fewer of the gripes with the city than some of the other boards, committees and commissions, because they actually are written in and have some authority. Um, they also meet more often and are just more highly visible and, um, you know, powerful so there was also that um that may have colored my impression of him but he wasn't against any of the things that we were trying to do at the time and that's the extent i know him well the um platform that he's running on now is your classic neoliberal platform of tough on crime crime g i don't know Right. <laughs> For all my West Wing fans out there. <laughs> and then uh and then right, the homelessness thing, right? Um so the tough on crime thing, not a surprise. Um these folks want to trot out a horse who will take a fuckload of police and real estate money, right? Um and Phil is their guy and he's not gonna say no to that. And that will change him um once he's running and once he's in office. Um you know, as far as the crime thing goes, it's like we, we've seen that any demonstrable like any, any metric of like cr- rise in crime, is just really doesn't stand the smell test. <clears throat> um, and, you know, Katie has nothing to do with anything in that regard. But also there has not been a serious rise in crime Two, um As far as the homelessness thing goes, Katie... Katie's district 
in the little time she's been in office, has built so much more affordable housing than any other district in Sacramento. Katie's district is the only one that has opened up any form of a safe ground for the unhoused community. Not only that, she just the other day had to fight with the city manager to keep it open. She is doing more than anyone on that dais to combat the housing crisis and homelessness in Sacramento. Um, so I'm interested to see how a fight like that goes down. Mm-hmm. Time will tell, y'all. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, I, I guess I just I don't understand like what. So he hasn't, at, at least in my in my impression, he hasn't really like distinguished himself yet from mm-hmm. Katie. Yeah. Um, he's showing up and saying, "Here's what I care about." And so my key question is going to be, yeah, but why are you running for this office if you care about that? Because that seat's already literally taken and those issues are already being addressed. So I'm really curious which where, here's where I think it's going to be interesting. Right now, he's introducing himself as like a neutral person running for office, but He's going to run up against what I now like to refer to as the measure A strong mayor problem, which is if you can't, until you create a, what the problem is, then you're not telling me why you're the solution and why we need change, right? So, you know, because the mayor was unwilling to say, hey, Howard Chan is a problem, then it was really a tricky like campaign to run because it's like, well, no, the city manager's great, but we need to change the structure of the city. And it's like, why? Well, the city manager's great, but we just really need change. Yeah, but why, <laughs> right? And so for for right now, his statement has not gotten into the, it's like, I care about all these things. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Join your neighborhood association. Like, why are you here? So I'm yeah. waiting to see why he's here. Yeah. And to me, when I look at his endorsers, it's to kick Well, yeah, but I'm just saying I'm waiting to hear him say why he's here. Because right now, all he said are things that one could reasonably say Katie also cares about, right? Like Katie is on the record repeatedly saying that she wants to make sure her neighbors are safe. So that involves, you know, what is crime? What's happening with crime? What's happening with our unhoused folks? What's happening with violence? Like all of those things are under the umbrella of safety. So again, why are you here? Yeah. Twenty twenty four. It's not an open seat. So why are you here? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's and we we all know we all know why he's here. Yes. Um, but I need him to say it. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, why are you here? Yeah. Let's see how long you can last not saying it. Um, but I think the key here is for um, Katie to have a lot of allies in 2024 who are also running for office. Um, clearly, she's got one in District 8. Um, I think um, in District 2, there's a potential strong ally uh, running to take out uh, our dear boy, Sean Baby Lilloe. Um, and in District 6, uh, Has Sean there appears... announced if he's going to run for re-election yet? Are we sure about that? I mean, that? that's a good point, too. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly not much money in his bank. He he. I was looking through his campaign finances, and he's just throwing his own money into his campaign. So. And I don't think this has been the fun, good pleasant. time ride 
for him or the windfall, I think, of, you know, capital that he was hoping for. Like, yeah, folks. Weird. What makes you say that? Continue (laughs) to make sure he's enjoying his time here in office uh, for his last year or so. Um, And then um, District 6, I think there's a potential goodie. I don't know much about them, but, uh, you know, from what I've seen, I've heard whispers of um, Isaac Gonzalez running for this against uh, the current inhabitant. Uh, I think he would run on sort of the Prague uh, line. Um, And again, I mean, we're all just so burned by Katie Maple that it's just like, I hope he I hope he says what he means and means what he says. Um, but but if all four of, of these progs kind of run in tandem, I think there's potential for for a good year ahead in 2024 for these candidates. Shall yes. we? Yes, we shall. Yes, all right. Well, so sleepy. Thanks for listening, y'all. We're all very sleepy, um, and that's gonna sound weird if it's the morning, but I'm probably still sleepy if it's the morning. Uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, don't forget to become a patron. And check out the awesome episode on Cocaine Bear with Flo and Skyler, the Voices Cinematic Universe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. How do you feel about blowjobs?